Pelotero Pickle, episode 57. Lots of Derek Jeter reflection. We also look at the 2022 Hall of Fame class. Juan Soto is an on-base machine, and Wander Franco is the future. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 57. I'm joined by Chris Colabello from Ramsey, New Jersey. Is that where you are? Yes. In a, what do they call those things? Terraniums? Planetariums? What are those called? Yeah, whatever. Atriums? Yeah. One of those. It's um, really just a dining hall. It's just a place where people eat food. Well, so. it's, got nice, it's got nice lighting. There's plants. So I think it's atrium is the word I was looking for. Yeah, I get Maybe it. not. Uh, just a quick reminder, send us your topics at uh, you could do email or you could do Twitter. Email is pickleatpeltero.com. Twitter is at Pelotero Pickle. We're absolutely flooded with all your requests, so keep them coming. We love it. It's very helpful to us. Just any, if anybody could ever just send us one email, that'd be awesome. Just one time. We get tweets. People we do. Tweet we now. do get some it's tweets. Easier. We do it's get easier. some. Tweets. I get personal tweets asking for stuff, and I want to. It's almost like we have to prove a point. I get personal tweets asking us to discuss a topic. And then I now it's it. a shtick, so I'm going to keep doing it. So okay. we got that going. How'd you play today? We were just talking. We're doing golf recap. You're hosting an event down there. Italian American baseball, an Italian baseball player. So tell it. Give us a quick recap. Well, it was a big weekend. First of all, I went down to Southern Jersey, South Jersey, South South Jersey, and uh, met with a facility organization. Met with another organization. Went to Diamond Nation, cool spot. Uh, first time for me. And then uh, IBF golf tournament was today. I was the master of ceremonies, MC. And also golfer. I didn't win the long drive because I hit it in the rough, but came in second. Good day. Did you have the distance? I did. I did. That's the worst. That's how it's usually never my problem, as uh, we all know. Professional rotational athlete, Robert. Yeah. I just found out this weekend that you've been swinging a stiff shaft driver, 60 gram stiff. And I was just appalled that you didn't tell me that before because I would have. I would have taken care of that. You would have forced me into a 70 at a minimum. Yes. Maybe 80. You might need an 80 gram shaft because your swings, your swing speed is ridiculous. But those like doubles down left field line you hit with your golf, with your driver probably will go away if you're not flexing the club so much that when you decel, it snaps forward. And Yeah, that's and that's a good rule of thumb for all hitters. You to have your back. You hit some impressively good golf shots, but you also hit some impressively bad golf shots. I think a lot of those are going to get fixed with a new driver shaft. The bad ones are going away, Bobby. They're they're slowly drifting out of my game. Can't wait to see it. We'll see it in October next time you come down here. Walk the walk, don't talk the talk. They say. I believe in you. I've seen you play enough to know that you it's in it's in the bag. Whether it shows up on the course is another another story. But uh, all right, let's jump into topics. Number one topic, Derek Jeter, Jeets, Hall of Famer. I feel like Derek Jeter is so hated on now that he's underrated as a player, which is shocking because I, I know where you're going with all your Derek Jeter takes. Same breath as Tom Brady, which is, I mean, he's a baseball god in your eyes. He's a 10, man. He's a 10. He's one of my 10s in life. He's uh had the honor of playing against them with them. It's cool. It, it's funny because you see as he gets inducted, all the guys have their little stories. My story is, is there's multiple, but I'm going to go with this one. Um, K 
Kevin Pillar and I were working out in Tampa, same place he was working out. He's retired going into 2016. Obviously, he retired 2014. That was last year. Got to play against him that year. It was awesome. Uh, when he, he, he butt-tapped me with his glove, and I contemplated not washing my pants that night. Um, but, yeah, he, he was coming out of the gym. Kevin and I had an early morning workout. I don't know why we were working out at 7 a.m., but we were. And Derek Cheater is walking out of the gym, sopping wet. And he sees us, and this was my moment where I kind of felt like I had made it, where he says, KP, CC, what's up? And I said, he just called me CC. That was awesome. Um, but I was like, Derek, what are you doing here? I was like, you're retired. Like, take a nap. Just do something else. Don't be at the gym at 6 in the morning. Was that pre-dad bod? Because he went dad bod for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just his like way of staying active. Probably wasn't just as intense, but you can get a dad bod workout still. I think I feel like um, Jeter, he's a winner, man. Like just just a winner. I had a long, drawn out conversation the other day with somebody, which and it went too long to be honest with you, about what makes Tom Brady, Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan special. And I would say out of those three guys, Jordan obviously had the most talent in terms of being relative to the generation to the era and skill set like already in his body. And that's what made Jordan probably next level. The thing about Jeter and Brady is they use their brain just as well as they use their skill set to be good. And they, they're winners. And it was funny because I watched the, the Harold Reynolds interview the other day and Harold asked him in 1996, at what point did you stop looking over your shoulder? And he kind of just balked and, and said, uh, what are you talking about? I never stopped looking over my shoulder. That's such a defining characteristic about great players. It's, it, it's, it's what makes him special, among other things. But to him, it was winning before anything else. And it was so abundantly clear in the way, he, the way that he played. And I said this to somebody the other day. The reason the moments that he created on a baseball field happened is not an accident. First game in the big leagues, homer. The flip play. The catch play in the stands. The homers in, in November to, to walk off. The the homer where the mayor kid reaches over ridiculous moment. And the fact that his 3000th hit was a homer when he wasn't known for hitting home runs. And obviously the last one was the walk-off hit in his last game at Yankee stadium. Those aren't accidents. Those aren't accidents. That's how I feel about him. That's, I mean, I, you know, it's scary to, to hear people try to hate and downplay his what he did for the game and for the organization for the New York Yankees. It's the only Yankee to ever get 3,000 hits. Like, that's absurd. That's absurd. Is that a real stat? I didn't even it's know It's a that. real stat. The only Yankee with 3,000 hits. So a lot of people that knock Jeter will, will make statements that he, he he's played for a long time. He was a, a benefit of the circumstances where he came into an organization that was ready to win. Uh, they'll knock his defense. And I'm just like, dude, he's a winner. Like, he, this guy's a winner. He, he is the epitome of a winner. He like what he did in the clubhouse, what he did as a leader, the tone that he set with his actions. Growing up in New England, we're supposed to hate him because he's on the Yankees and he's impossible to hate for me. I, you have to respect the way he played the game and went about his business. You just have to. He was incredibly consistent in his play and his demeanor and his attitude. Just everything about him was just steady. And one of the questions on our, on our notes here is what can young players take away from Jeter? And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways, like show up consistently in that video with Harold Reynolds. He talked about his routines, how he just did the same thing for 20 years. He just went out and played catch and he did his work and he was ready to go for 20 years in a row. That is incredible. There's 
we were texting earlier this morning about a book about in my comment, it was a book recommendation that we both got. And I was like, it has really good fundamentals. And I think that gets lost. The, the fundamentals are so important and it's not like that should be the sexy part of the game and it's not, and it should be the ones that get it realize how important it is, but it gets overlooked so easily and it shouldn't be just the the ability to show up every single day and be the same guy to be steady. That is so powerful. It's not the up and up and downs of emotions. And when you're, when you're playing well, you're happy. When you're not playing well, you're sad. Your, your energy's changing all the time. That's not it. That's not it. This guy got in the same crouch every day, every before every at bat. He got the same crouch, did the same helmet tap. I watched, I played against him probably 10 times. And he, he threw long toss in front of the dugout, show catch every game. Like, and now people can make the argument, like I've talked about routine and how important it is to be able to be adaptable too. So those are both true. How, how about like the ability to be adaptable within your routine, right? But having those foundational principles as an athlete. And that's because when things get hard, when things get cloudy, you have to have something to fall back on. It's the, it's the same stuff Rich Gedman used to talk about me with me when he would, he would talk about hitting. He'd say, if nothing else, Chris, I knew I could be good with my head in the cage today. And that was going to give me a chance because if I could be good with my head, that was going to give me a chance. And it's not even what the thing is. It's not even, is it be good with your head? Is it fine target bad? Is it whatever? There has to be something that you have as part of your normal that will give you a chance to compete and give you a chance to be successful and make you feel like you can be successful when everything else around you is telling you you can't be, right? Your, your, your body hurts, your, your BP swings suck, you're 0 for your last 12, uh, you get Verlander uh, or Scherzer or whoever it is on the mound that night. Everything, everything in the game is telling you you're supposed to be bad tonight. How are you going to find a way to play when your back's up against the wall? What guys that you are around have the best routines or the most obvious or most steady routines? Well, I mean, in terms of just guys I played with, Maurer was so obviously just, just level and even keel. And it seemed like nothing ever really phased him. I mean, make the argument that toward the end of, the, of his career, he wasn't the same guy. But I, I came up at 13 when he was still very much Joe Maurer before he got the concussion. And it was crazy just watching this guy every day. He's so normal. I had actually watched him freak out one time um, in the dugout. He smashed a bat in the dugout or in the tunnel kind of. Nobody saw it. And I was like, was that Joe? And, and that's how you knew it was really mad because for him to do something like that was crazy because every day was the same. Go get his cage work at the same time. Usually sit down in the kitchen, same demeanor, same mindset, same actions. Um, I mean, it was ridiculous. You know, I, I would make the argument that I was as diligent as there was in terms of the way I prepared to get ready for a game. I, I was call it superstition, call it routine oriented. Um, but I had my I had my core beliefs that I thought were the things that were the most important. Right. So I had to there are days you have to prioritize. So to me, taking a shower before a game was like one of the most important things I had to do. I had to feel clean when I went out on the field. You're like, you're like a three shower guy on game days. Right? At least. Yeah. Sometimes four. I shower, I shower in the morning before I leave, uh, shower after BP, shower after the game. Sometimes I shower before I went to bed at night. Weird. I'm weird. A lot of showers. Especially. And then if you do early work sometimes. And you're I love that. I know that about you. Big shower guy. Big shower guy. Well, um, I was either in the clubhouse with you or I was waiting for you after games half the time. So. Yeah. Um, Someone even. Some days you tie your shoes the same way. You want to go through your same routines to prepare. And then, you know, you're up against it sometimes because you have day games or whatever it might be. But you have to have 
something to fall back on. It's the same thing that Mike Bryant talked to us about, about Chris having a fallback, having something to rely on on the ball up in the zone. You have to do that in your daily life too, because if you don't, you get lost. You just get lost. And then when you're lost, fear and self-doubt come creeping in. And then before you know it, like things can go dark quickly, you know? Yeah. Did you, did you feel like you had a specific routine with like putting your pants on, putting your, like, did you put right foot on before your left foot? I, I might've done it, but I didn't even realize it. I never thought about like putting one shoe on before the other one or anything like that. I would, I definitely had routines and felt like, like my on deck routine was the same things that I would do between, between pitches, like clearing out the batter's box. That was all very repeatable for me, but I never thought about like, I got to put my right sock on first. Cause I, I, I didn't, I didn't have a, I, I had a shoe preference at times. It just depended if I was noticing. I think it was more habitual than anything else. Like I, I didn't really think that was a thing, but certainly there were times when I'd tie a shoe in a double knot because I didn't have any hits. I'd tie one shoe in a double knot and one would stay in a single knot. But the way, the way, from the way, the time I prepared, it, when we were at home, it was one way. When we were on the road, it was another. It was very specific. You know, when you're at home, I, I always, I mean, I, I, a clockwork, dude. I'd look at the clock and I had to be in a certain place by a certain time. Um, and I needed to be on the left field line in Toronto. We played six forty seven oh seven, so I had to be on the line at six forty seven, get stretched out. That was my general rule of thumb. The double anthem. That was a double anthem thing, right? Yeah, we had double anthem. So yeah. it was seven oh seven oh one was usually the Canadian or the American one, and then seven oh four was the US, uh, the Canadian one. And then by that time, you tried to be in the either in the dugout or sometimes I'd go into the tunnel during the anthem, which you know call it what it is. But the, you know you get very tied down for time. Just depends on the situation. What's weird is when I didn't play, I was always out for the end. I made sure I was out for the end. When I was playing, there were times when I, if I had to go to the bathroom before we started, you're panicked and you want to be out there. Yeah. What about, uh? so Derek Jeter was in, Larry Walker was in. Any Larry Walker thoughts? That dude raked. Stud, bro. You got raked. He, raked. he was, he uh, you look up some of his numbers, he absolutely smashed. He, he's a monster. We don't really talk about him too much, but he was a victim of the course field thing for a little Perfect. bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it, we've talked to Dante Bichette about that and how like coming back to course field after being on the road for a while, you have to, it's a huge adjustment one way or the other. Um, and then if you look at Larry Walker's stats at course field compared to other all-star level players, he was still better. He, so he, he was but, and, very, and, very and, good but player. There's probably they're the same empty arguments that get made about, sticky stuff or when a guy has a down year they're oh they try to justify it by some ridiculous thing more often than not the whole thing is about psyche it's about if your mind is in a good place you're gonna play good if your mind's not you're gonna play bad or you're not gonna play as good some guys have the ability to battle through it um larry walker was a stallion man straight stallion just raked and yeah i'll never forget the time he turned his helmet around johnson was throwing the. i saw i was i was mad um, they used that picture for I think the Rockies used that picture in one of their their media posts about him being in the Hall of Fame. It's like, yeah, it's like a classic moment, but you can use a different picture. You don't have to use the yeah. flip the helmet around picture. It's like and the picture a, of your college that have you bunting yeah. for the Hall of Fame. Larry Walker's Canadian, right? Canuck. Oh yeah, Canuck. Yeah, straight Canuck. Yeah, big time. A lot of a lot of good Canadian hitters, man. He wore like a SpongeBob pin during like to the Hall of Fame thing, like to the induction ceremony. I don't know if there's more to that story. I, 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 don't, I don't follow him on Twitter. Maybe he's just a big SpongeBob guy, but he had a SpongeBob pin on his suit. Gotta be his kids. But I did like uh, there was yeah, but his kids are probably old now. He's older, old enough to be in, inducted in the Hall of Fame. 
uh, he had a tweet about being nervous, which I thought it's just he's human. So they should, it was a, a picture of the the field and all the seats empty, and he was like, I was nervous for this picture, and then it showed the, the everybody sitting in the whole. It's like a field they do it at, yeah. um, and he was like, my knees were shaking for this picture. You know what the greatest part about, and not to take the attention away from Larry Walker, as Jeter was doing his speech, they keep showing Anna, Anna Davis, that's his wife, right? Yep. And uh, in the background is my AAA manager, Gene Glenn. Like, and I said, I froze, I froze it on there, and I sent him a text at 3 o'clock in the morning when I was watching it. I said, Gene, I can't imagine why nobody's looking at you in this picture, because it's literally Hannah Davis and Gene Glenn in the background. And uh, it was I, I, I kept freezing it there, and I said, I got to be the only person that's looking at you in this shot right now. It's a tough draw. <laughs> you know. No eyeballs on him. But at least I noticed. The whole window where you say nobody cares except your mom, that is the that is the moment right there. Nobody cares. His mom is looking at that or his family's looking at it, but that's about it. So now Jeter, yeah, just to, to circle back on, on Jeets, what a career, what a player. The Yeah, was he the – somebody made the argument, they're like, was he even the best – was he ever the best player on his own team? I was like, it doesn't matter. You're looking at numbers. You're looking at stats. This is a, we're talking about a baseball player. He is a Hall of Fame baseball player. No questions asked. Uh, thoughts on the unanimous? I'm curious your thoughts about that. Because Rivera isn't Rivera the only one that's ever been unanimous? Uh, Pretty sure. It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, so I can't answer so it. The, Jeter. Uh, it's made, absolutely made absurd. Absurd he that he did. It wasn't a uh, first ballot. Yeah, but uh, like across the board. Ken Griffey Jr. was in first ballot for our also game. absurd. There's no, I, I'm not, the, the, the baseball writers all have agendas that are, that go far deeper than just voting for what players should be in the hall of fame and, and, and who should, I think it's an absolute abomination in the game, the way the hall of fame is voted on because the hall of fame should be voted on by your peers. To be honest with you, that's it period. Because what matters is what your peers think of you, not what, you know, 40 or 80 random baseball writers think. Because they all have agendas. They've proven they have agendas. How's how is Derek Jeter not not a, a unanimous Hall of Famer? It's it's just it's literally laughable. He's the only Yankee with three thousand hits. It's almost like a tradition at this point where you're not allowed to be unanimous. It's a joke. It's a joke. There, there literally people are starting to think of them more and more as a joke every year. So it's whatever. Cancel culture. Go get them. Get the get the baseball writers. Get them. <laughs> All yeah. right, next next topic. We have intentional box. So this is now a thing because they're sticking the runner on second base in the extra inning situations. They're intentionally balking. Uh, the question of have I ever seen this before? No. No. Uh, haven't seen it. I get it where you're, you're just trying to, like, get the guy off second base, kind of open up the field for the defenders a little, little bit. The run doesn't matter. Just get him out of the way. You can't steal the signs, all that stuff. I, I don't know. It's kind of like a nothing burger for me where I get it. It's just kind of a circumstance of the game now where you're sticking around. If you're sticking around on second base when it doesn't matter, like, yeah, go go to third. Who cares? People are like – the Rays are notorious for trying to gain competitive advantages wherever they can, right? So – I'm sure some analytics department guy said, oh, the probability of us getting our sign stolen. The whole, the whole dynamic around this is so laughable. Just execute your pitches. Just get it done. The fact that we're putting a runner on second base is a joke anyway. It was so stupid. I mean, I, one night, and the scary part is, is we're exposing how bad people are at moving runners over, by the way. 
the, the night the Dodgers and, and Padres, they went to the 15th or whatever it was, they went 10 halves of an inning without scoring a run with a runner on second. Nobody out. 10 halves. So they, they didn't score until like the 15th it's, or the 14th or whatever it was. It, it's, it's a joke. It's a, like, execute your pitches, get the guy out. You're already winning because you're already ahead of hitters. So just get the guy out. Stop I need caring to, if they I need get to look up a stat. It doesn't matter. I need to look up a stat right now because it was said last night and I didn't believe it. So this is this is towards the topic of ability to manufacture runs. Joey Gallo hit a fly ball, sack fly, yesterday, and it said it was the second sacrifice fly of his career. And I was like, what? Not possible. He had – so I think it was his third. It says he has three, but it can't, the summary says two, which doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's just not updated. Either way, if it's two or three, how does Joey – Gallo only have two or three sack flies in a seven-year major league career. He has 2,340 plate appearances, and he has three sack flies. True outcome guy, man. Yeah, but just get the ball in the air. It's true outcome guy. Hitting 199. True outcome guy. That's Yankee, I, I'm around a lot of Yankee fans this weekend, man, and that guy, they're clobbering him. Probably you rightfully so. Take Rizzo in the outfield. If you need yeah. a lefty bat. Or Voight, one of the two. Or Stanton. What What is the purpose of the lefty bat? Like, well, if you hit 190, if you – but th- that they're forcing him into pull even more. I knew it was going to be a bad place for he's him hitting, to be. He's hitting 134 right now. Since he went to the Yankees. Yeah, he's hitting 134. Yeah, with the Yankees, 134. Yeah, it's bad. It's okay, sorry. I was looking at the, the – I got it now. I was looking at the total for 2011 – the total and the Yankees were both listed. So he has, he has two career sack flies. Oh, I thought you were going to come out and be like, yes, 10. It's two. No, he has two. It's not three. It's Bobby. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all the reasons we're talking about all the reasons why baseball is not a great game anymore. It's just people don't care about this stuff. He'd rather walk because he thinks walking is better for his war. So he'll take his walk. He won't hit his fly ball, the outfield. He won't cut down his swing and swing a pitch that, he can't handle it. Maybe he's incapable of it. I don't know. Maybe like he's not capable of doing it. Maybe he can't cut down his swing. I don't know about it. It's just like people appreciate small ball way more than I think anybody thinks that they do. And, you know, it's funny to me that the game is where it is. And there's a lot of people that aren't happy with it. Sure. Like homers are cool and stuff like that. But again, I, my belief, my belief has always been, if you don't like something, just go do something different. If you don't like the way baseball was, just create a different game, create a different league and go play it differently there. That's why the rule, like the rule changes that at some point you compromise the integrity and the tradition of the game and, you know, reflect back on cheater. Like how many times did he thank the guys sitting behind him? How many times did he say he revered the guys sitting behind him? There's something to be said for the tradition and history of baseball that was really right. Pre-data, pre-tech, pre any of it. Because it grew to be the monster that it is today because of that. I don't know. Whatever. Call me old and salty. It doesn't matter. I'm, it's just not It's not what it was. People don't love the game the way we did. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. it's. I can't, I'm can't. i still shocked that he only has two sack flies. I, I just don't know how you don't have more pride to not strike out less. Well, how, yeah. how, is, how is that not hurt your pride and ego to punch out that many times? How does that not? I don't understand how the metrics say that that's better. If that's really what the if that's really what's driving this, is that the metrics say it's okay? How is you know, 
the human creating the metrics made the wrong formula. If you wrong. hit a ground ball to second base with a runner on second, nobody out, your war value went down. Is that real? Yes. They're 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 forgetting about the game when they do these numbers. Asking the wrong questions. Yeah. Crazy. So intentional walk, funniest way to do it. I don't know. You could get pretty creative with it. I'd maybe do a funny wind up and just not throw the ball. I think, look, I think I'm all for ideas that help you put yourself in a better position. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's earth shattering. I don't, I think it's like solid move. If that's what you feel like you need to do. I'm all about like, it's going to help you win the game. Be my guess. If you feel like it's going to help you play better, then do it. Do so it. Let's, let's, use this, let's use this as a jump off about stealing signs. There was a, a bit of a brouhaha in, uh, in Queens last night between Lindor and the Yankees and Stanton. Did, did you see the, this whole thing play out? Are you familiar I did with not. It? I, I've heard about it. I haven't seen it yet. So supposedly on Saturday night, there was a, a, a whistling sound coming from the dugout. And whoever was starting is Taiwan Walker, I believe, was starting for the Mets. Got rocked a little bit, gave up some hits, gave up some runs. Uh, VR, not Pilar, but VR, called uh, a little huddle at the meeting, said, hey, I think they're, you're tipping your pitches. There's a whistle sound coming out of the dugout. The Yankees have claimed that it was some bullpen guy that was in the dugout, and he was just trying to make some noise to get the, get the, get guys fired up. He was making a whistling sound. That's like his thing, supposedly. So... Lindor hit a homer in his first at bat. I believe it was his first at bat. Hit one homer, and then on his second homer, he it was a pump. He it was like a change up down and away. Hit a bomb to left of center, rounding second base. He's doing this like whistle sound, like he's faking. Like I don't know how to whistle like that, but he's fake at the shortstop at Torres, and he's rounding the bases like screaming in the dugout in the Yankees dugout. Everybody's mad. Uh, it was pretty cool. I like seeing Lindor be mad. And then Stanton came up. I don't know if it was the next inning or it was after that. Stanton hit a homer, and when he's rounding, yeah. when he's rounding second base, he basically stopped and he was like, "Don't do that, don't do that." Yeah. <laughs> and he finished. Right. I heard he was. I heard they were doing the thumbs down thing too. Uh, Gardner did that. I I I thought that was awesome. Gardner's it's a like, cool rivalry. And he's Look, like, at the fans boo. Look for the the context the context of the situation. I, I like, let me finish though, because then Lindor came up and yeah. hit the go ahead homer, three homers yeah. in the game. He had three last night. Three big, three big homers. It's about time he got hot. It took a while. Yeah, yeah. Like he's had a bad year, but he's still world class shortstop. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, I still think he's. I I make the argument that he's the best in the game. That's my opinion. Bad year, still good player. Uh. But yeah, it was it was pretty tense. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. Stanton, Stanton kind of being the like for him, he basically like stopped and he was like pointing at him, like, no, don't do that. Stop it. And then uh Baez was trying to be like, oh, come over here and say it. <laughs> yeah, when he's already run past you on and run backwards. Yeah. Listen, I I'm, it's cool. Anytime the guys have the other backs, it's good. You can be mad about people stealing signs. If you think they're stealing signs, be mad about it all you want. Like if you don't like it, don't get your signs stolen, right? So the, the point is, like, who should you be mad at? Should you be mad at your pitcher or your catcher? Or should you be mad at the other team for trying to gain an advantage? Now, that being said, if the guy standing on second base is stealing signs and trying to do, like, jab steps and things with his hands, you let him know, like, he's a problem. Like, and 
his one of his friends is going to take one of the ribs or he is later. And then you don't have a problem anymore. When it comes down to like a, a pitcher tipping his pitches, why, like on what planet is that wrong? Like on what planet that you're telling me that you're weak and I'm not allowed to win against you because you're tipping your hand? What, what are we doing? This happens at every single level of baseball. We, in every single game in the history of the universe, somebody's been trying to steal a sign because the guys that weren't be starting, better. our coach would be like, hey, get on their signs, guys. Get on their signs, whether it was the, the pitching coach giving signs to the catcher or the guy on the mound was fiddling yeah. a certain way. The fingers were too low under the catcher's butt. He wasn't protecting with his glove, base coaches. Uh, dude, in college, you we had being the signs, so offended by it. We had the signs probably 70% of the games in college. Usually it was just the first base coach just looking in and he would see it. Yeah, exactly. And he would say, come on, Bobby, if you use your first name. First name, name, last name, yeah. And then it was, no, he was, first name was number and then anything else like last name or number was off speed. But first name, fastball. Come on, Bobby. Okay, here we go. Throw fastball. Yeah. 70% of the time, literally 70% of the time. It was either he could just even just see in or he would like creep up and be standing on the first baseline and just look in, or he was doing behind the back. The, the second baseman was peeling his hand out yeah. with a fist or in an open hand. So you could see it from there. We had be them all better. the time. Be better. If you don't want people to see your signs, be better at protecting. Simple. But change sequences, change house plus one, house plus two. Yeah, know, how many times pitchers, two, are just, pitchers are just tipping it half the time anyway, the way they, I know. The way they fiddle it, the way they spread their glove out, whether like the, the if they drop their hands or they keep them high, you know what's coming almost all the time if you know what to look for. The same way hitters all knew that pitchers were using prime talk forever. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. All right. 20, 2022 Hall of Fame class. We'll go back to the Hall of Fame here. We've got we got a list of names here. Carl Crawford, Prince Fielder, Ryan Howard, Tim Lincecum, Joe Nathan, David Ortiz, Papelbon. Jake Peavy, A.J. Perzinski, Alex Rodriguez, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Teixeira. Got a has-been and a couple of never-will-be's. Who's in? David Ortiz. That's it. So, what, he, he might not be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Too, was it the, the writers, this is how ridiculous it is. The writers might not vote him in as a first-ballot because they think he's because he's a deal. So was it the Metro Report he was listed in? Yeah, it was before testing was a thing. Yeah, but they're going to hold it against him. A-Rod is a clear Hall of Fame caliber player. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer too. But are they going to let him in? If you let That's A-Rod in, you got to let you got to let Bonds in. Bonds never even failed a test. This is why it's ridiculous. It's people. So Bonds never failed a test. You're going to let so A-Rod many in? people being presumptuous. Technically, A-Rod didn't fail a test either. I thought he did. Well, he didn't. He, he got suspended it? through an investigation. Yeah, but they did ran, he they did an investigation. Yeah, that's why he took 162. He took the season the next year after he had, uh, like, his was off of an investigation. So they're, they're just using the rules however they, they think is right. Like, was, they, was, for, he, was A-Rod suspended once or twice? Once. My vote goes to one David Ortiz. And I would vote for A-Rod too, but that's just me. A-Rod, A-Rod's an open player. Jimmy Rollins is an interesting one. I need to look no, at his player stats. No, 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 no. Numbers aren't close. They're not close, Bobby. You're going to be shocked. I don't think he's ever hit over 259 this career. He's a 264 career hitter. Hmm. Uh, 269 is what I meant. Never Uh, hit 300. Did not realize that he – I thought he was better than that. 
He won MVP. That's why. Because he won MVP yeah. in Philadelphia. There's nobody else on that list that's even in the conversation. An interesting year, too. 294, 296 MVP. It was a weird MVP. It was a year they won the World Series. 2008, right? Matt Holliday kind of got jobbed that year. Yeah. Also, Chipper Jones got jobbed. Yeah. Prince Fielder at 50 homers in 288. Prince, Prince didn't play long enough. Um, numbers just aren't good enough. Um, Carl Crawford, no. AJ Brzezinski, no. Why is Carl, no, Carl no. Crawford was nice when he was nice, but when he, he went to Boston. Not, he, he, he was, was nice for like two years in Tampa when he was trying to be like a 2020. He was never more than a 2020 guy. Like he was, could have maybe been a 30-30 guy, but it wasn't that type of hitter. Big market in Boston wasn't good for him. Um, Jake Peavy was they, good, but I don't think he's Hall of Famer. Not, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. even on the list. Because well, yeah. you, you, you get on the list if you played a certain amount of time. You get, after your fifth year, after you retired, if you have 10 plus, you get put on the ballot. A-Rod's going to be interesting because because of the suspension. Yeah, he's uh, definitely not getting in. If, if he does, they're hypocrites. If you let him in, you got to let Bonds in. So Shara's not a Hall of Famer. Linscombe's not a Hall of Famer. Ryan Howard's not close to a Hall of Famer. Is Clemens a Hall of Famer? No. No, he's not in either. He is, though, but he's not in. He's a Hall of Famer. Well, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, there's gonna, there's got to be a moment here where either – I mean, you let nobody in. I, I think it's an interesting one because Ortiz is tied, tied to it as much as Bonds was. Listen, let me tell you something, pal. Isn't, it, isn't he, though? It's ugly. It's ugly when people start getting presumptuous about things. It's ugly. Yeah. It's ugly, and this is what happens when you give you give people full authority to do stuff. Aren't they doing something with like a, a special clause players vote type thing now, where like you can get in if you get a certain percentage of the vote or get elected by like the players or something like that? I don't know anything about that, but maybe. When, it's an when, interesting one. It's when it's all said and done. I just have the opinion. I'm of the opinion that the players should be the ones that decide because the fans don't realize the impact. Player, I mean, not that the fans, the media doesn't realize the, the impact that guys have on other people's playing careers and, and what they really, really, truly did for the game because they've never got to like feel it. Maybe they have like beat writers that are with the team all the time can can sense it, but it's not the same. There might be no Hall of Famers last year. I, I, I I'm hard pressed to believe that. Ortiz has a chance to be a first ballot Hall of Famer just because he's the only one that is probably going to get votes next year. And him and, and A-Rod will get votes. Nobody else is getting votes on that list. That'd be the, they'll, they'll get three votes. Everybody will get three or less. Three? Like three Who's going to get votes on that list? They're going to get three. three. Who's going to get votes? It's kind of a low number. I don't, I'm, yeah, I don't you're know not putting 10 names on your list. You're not, giving a, you're not allotting all 10 names. You're just going to – I mean, who are you voting for on that list? Yeah. But Ortiz is just an, he's an interesting one because he's kind of on the fence in terms of like obviously his numbers are there. But if you let him in, you got to let Bonds in. If you let Bonds in, you got to let Clemens in. Just let them all in. They were great players. They're Hall of Famers. Doesn't matter yeah. what they did. They're the best players on the planet. Yeah. That's, that's not how the writers think about it. They're going to try exactly. to uphold the standard of integrity. Um, all right, let's move on. We got two post-show style topics or quick hits, I guess they are. Uh, Juan Soto 
super good at baseball. This dude is unreal. His current on-base percentage after the All-Star break is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth best overall if he maintains it. Uh, Barry Bonds and Ted Williams are six of those, and Joey Votto's the other. He's doing special things right now. He's getting on base. Juwan five twenty-one is his current on-base percentage post-break. That's like high school players should be happy to do that in their class double A in their local high school league. Yeah. And he's doing it in the he's show. Special. He's a special player. And he's 12 years old still. And all he did was hit the home run derby to get himself right. Got to just got to get I yourself told you, right. He, I told you he was my favorite hitter in the game. He's my favorite hitter in the game. Presence, charisma, attitude, ability, all of it. He's just incredibly professional in – in his discipline, in his, I mean, his swing is awesome. Everything about him makes him a very, very tough out, which is why he's getting on base 52% of the time right now. That's crazy. That's a suit. That's a really high number. Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds in 2002 was 608. <laughs> Probably like 80% intentional walks too. Was that the year he had a billion intentional walks? Yeah. He's good. 200, 242 walks that season total. So yeah, one... Juan Soto, very good. Also very good. Wanda Franco, he's doing crazy stuff. Like he was on the list with Mickey Mantle the other day for something. So his on-base streak, I don't know, it doesn't say, the tweet doesn't say what his on-base streak is, but he's like doing Mickey Mantle level stuff in terms of getting on base in a row. Uh, he's struck out once in his last 59 plate appearances, three in his last it's, it's more. It's more than that now. Uh, this was from September 9th, so plus four games. So three strikeouts in four weeks in the show. Pretty good. We talked about, so when Wander came up, we did, I remember we talked about him on Pickle. And the thing that stood out the most to me in his first big league game, in his first major league at bat, he was blowing bubbles. And I remember talking about him being just like so com- comfortable enough to be blowing bubbles. When I made my first plate appearance in the K&M League, I couldn't feel my arms. For days, yeah. I couldn't feel my arms. I was freaking out. And he's up there blowing bubbles. Like it's like he's playing wiffle ball with his buddies when he's 12 years old. What? He's 20. Yeah. Blowing bubbles. So got a chance. really impressive. He's, I mean, he's already special. He's got a chance to be really special. I, this was one of the guys that I thought this was the can't miss guy, in my opinion. I, I'm the, the only other one that I've thought like this about, and I'm, I'm just not sure because I haven't seen enough at uh, upper level minors. It's uh Dominguez. So yeah, so Franco. This guy can't miss. Is it Franco or Franco? Am I saying it right? Franco. Franco. He's up to uh, he's up to two eighty five, OPS of eight ten. He he has thirty five total strikeouts, which means he just stopped striking out recently. Um, Fifteen doubles, four triples, seven homers in sixty two games. You know what he did, Bobby? He started making adjustments. What a novel idea adjustability for days he struck out a ton in his first two weeks a ton he had he had a four strikeout game i remember he had a punch out per game his first two then didn't strike out the day he homered he had his first homer and then he had a punch out one for four no punch outs four punch outs two punch outs two punch outs no punch outs two punch outs and then since then he's had two multi-strikeout games but like strikeouts were coming sure and farther in between so yeah, July he struck out twenty times, and then August, September he has more walks and strikeouts. He is not, a, he, there are many guys doing that right now in the big leagues. 
He's currently on a six-game no-strikeout streak, by the way. That doesn't happen in today's Ever. game. No. Like imagine, if, imagine if Joey Gallo had this guy's contact ability. He yeah. did. He did 87 homers. It's a choice, though, Bobby. It's a choice. Like it, these players are making choices, and Joey Gallo is convinced that he's good, so he's going to just keep doing Joey Gallo things. Like, don't be afraid to spread out, choke up. You know, maybe stay on top. Hit a ground ball to the six hole, whatever. Help the squad. He'd still Anybody hit, wants it. To- he'd still hit 40 homers if he did that. Because guys that hit homers, guys like him, who are I mean, he's like six five, two forty, two forty five, something like that. Stupid oh, athlete. Yeah, he'd hit plenty of homers if he hit better. There's no, there's nobody that can tell you. You know, the funny thing is, I'm watching Bregman do a thing on his on his rehab assignment. He did this like production type thing, and I'm watching it last night because one of the college kids sent it to me. And you know, he's over like eight or over twelve on his rehab assignment before he comes back. It's like my my swing feels terrible. He hadn't struck out once yet. Hadn't struck out over twelve, but he just was clipping some balls. But like choked up. Thinking about down, slides into good patterns now. Does it help him to play in a full happy park? Sure, 100%. Like in a normal yard, maybe he hits 10 less homers a year. I don't know. But the guy puts balls in play, has good at-bats, competitive, gets hits. I respect him between the lines. Um, it's, not, it's not that hard to be that guy because you can make a choice to be that guy. If you're as talented as these dudes, you can make that choice. Yeah. All right, last topic. Do the Blue Jays have the best lineup in baseball? They absolutely smash. If you go up and down their lineup, every time I pull up the box scores on the uh, MLB app, so everybody in their lineup's hitting like 270 and above, which is pretty rare in this game, in this day and age. Simeon's under 270 now, but he's going to hit 43 homers. 272. He's at 272. Guerrero is sneaky, making a triple crown threat. Um I told you what happened with the not even that sneaky. He's not even that sneaky about it. He's just he's hitting, he's leading the league in on base. Or, sorry, Tied batting average homers. leading, tied in homers, and he's like a couple back in RBI. So there was he went through that three week stretch or whatever it was. He was getting the barrel tipped out too far. I text John Schneider, their first base coach or bench coach or whatever he is now. And Schneider, I don't know if you want to know this or not, or glad he cares to see this or not, but he's tipping the bat out too far, his leverage getting lost. So he's wondering why I, it looks like he's just He's feeling for it. Like, he doesn't understand why the barrel's not showing up. I don't know if I had anything to do with it, but I'll tell you what, his barrel ain't tipping like it was before, and now he's raking again. So, that dude's special. I mean, if he if he becomes – I don't know if being aware helps him of this stuff, stuff like this. Like, but he's a smart player. Staying in the zone this year. He's a monster. I mean, Bo's Bo, Bo, probably have... having the worst year out of all of them, and he might be the best. Who knows? He's not having a bad year. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Lourdes Corriell – Lourdes on fire. Alejandro yeah. Kirk's a stallion. There was a, they put up a metric the other day for most balls hit 95-plus in the big leagues. Vlad had like 40 more than everybody else, and then Bo Bichette was in the top five. Yeah, Bo's a he's, he's not even like that big. He's a good athlete. Excuse me. In terms of major league just body types, he's not like overly yeah. impressive. But he f- hits the ball hard all the time. I just uh, – that. I don't know who else is better than them, top to bottom. There's really no, there's no weakness in their lineup, and it's ironic they got Kevin Biggio out of the lineup because he was a big looming hole, and Randall Richards out of the lineup, so now they're really good. They had two guys who were OPSing 700 or less that have been perennially guys that like are true outcome guys, and they're not, they, they're not helping their lineup. So look what they're winning with: professional hitter Springer, 
Simeon. Springer, I was just going to say, Springer hasn't been in the lineup that much. Yeah, Guerrero. Lourdes Coriel is, like, absolutely on fire. He's going to turn this into a really good year. Teoscar Hernandez ranks. Like, their first five or six hitters in their lineup are, are a problem. Alejandro Kirk is a problem. Like, that dude is a problem. He's a he's going to be a catcher that hits 300 with 30. Like, I'm telling you right now. If they just let him catch and be himself, pudgy little guy that he is, oof. He just got to – I mean, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to make it with his physique. That's the real deal. I mean, where's their weakness? Where's their weakness? Um, Who is – um? Is Biggio the third baseman usually? No, Biggio's the phantom DL right now. No, but who would typically play third for them? Santiago Espinal has played third most of the year. I think Ravik Valera is playing there now. Yeah, well, they got Jake uh, Lamb too. And Jake Lamb has been coming in. But Santiago Espinal has hit 300, 300, 770, something like that. Nice little player, competitive mm-hmm. at bat. Per- perfect complimentary piece. Um, they're, just, they're just imposing themselves. Uh Yankees currently down five to one against the Twins. Twins could be spoilers for the. Uh, you know Yankees. what's funny is I was talking about it before because the Yankees went on that run. It looked like they were going to run away with wild card, but I was talking to an intimate source in the AL East, and uh, he said they're going to have their they're going to have their 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 letdown. And I just didn't know the Blue Jays could catch fire like this. I mean, it was it's obviously been in there. Their run differential stupid. It's been stupid all year. You yeah. can look at the Red Sox run differential versus the, the Blue Jays run differential. I tweeted that. I tweeted team. that the other day. They're, I think they have the second best run differential in the AL. And and they were and they were in fourth in the East. Like they were in fourth, like looking up, like six, seven games back. And then they just said, you know what? Here we come. They're maturing as every day goes by. Sorry, they have the third. So Houston, it's Tampa Bay. It's plus 178, Houston 176, and the Blue Jays are 152. Tampa Bay is probably plus 178 with 100 less run score than the Blue Jays, if I had to guess. Uh, they actually have 33 more runs scored compared, wow, to, compared to when I just That's insane. At. I don't know how they score runs, Bobby. I don't I, – well, I, I look at the lineup every night. It's 230, 220, 210, 230, 260, 230. 250, like nobody's having a good year. Brandon Lyle's got 30-something homers, but hitting 220. How about this, though? The Toronto's giving up less runs. They might they might have different games played, but that's not – I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, because Tampa's, Tampa's back-end pitching is really good. And you know what they do really well? This is the thing that they do really, really well. They catch the ball. They catch the ball, bro. You it's weird to say the that they're like a machine now. Like they yeah. – they're the best organization in terms of producing results in the They've got a bunch of guys that are not on deals. They got no position players getting paid. None. Zero. Zunino's making like three million. And I mean, I thought that was an overpay to be honest with you. Now he's having a decent year. Yeah, who they don't really have anybody. No like big names. Crazy. That's it for topics. You got anything else? No, we gotta get crafts on the show. I wanted to talk more Salvi. Do we have any, uh, any I other, a bunch of questions? Do we have any uh, any other wild card? We I tried to bring it up last week and you were like, no, next week. So the Blue Jays and the Red Sox are currently the wild card leaders with the Yankees, Oakland, Seattle. Close Everybody's right there, man. Uh in the in the National League, there's gonna be two teams, most likely potentially the three Dodgers teams are in. West. Dodgers, yeah, the Do- Dodgers are way in. Dodgers, San Francisco are way in. Um, and then San Diego is tied with Cincinnati right Cincinnati. now. Second wild card. 
St. Louis is one game back. Phillies two and a half. Mets three games back. The Mets. Who's the scariest team in the out of that other other wild card? So you got the the Dodgers are going to end up playing somebody. Most likely. St. Louis doesn't seem relevant to me. One game out. Yeah, but they don't seem relevant. Like they feel like they're not going for it. The Mets. There's like nobody hot on that side. It's all like streaks of one win one, win three. Yeah, I want the Mets to be good so bad, but they're not. The Phillies. Yeah, they're not some pitching. They've got some pitching. If Wheeler pitches every game, they'll be fine. Kyle Gibson too. Kyle Gibson. I don't know who the I don't know who the biggest threat is on that side. I'm looking at it. Cincinnati's kind of scary to me. They could be tough in one gamer. It'd be cool. It'd be cool to see. I think it'd be cool to see like Bueller versus uh, Wheeler or Bueller versus Degrom in a one game playoff. Well, Degrom's got to come back. I know, but that, that's why I said it would. Be the Mets, the Mets, if they get Degrom for a year healthy, and they have Syndergaard for a year healthy, Stroman's had a very solid year. They got, they have arms. What the did Mets- Syndergaard do? Thoracic outlet or UCL? I forget. Thoracic outlet's like worse. I forget. I don't. I don't know what he got. Was it TJ? I think I don't I forget. I know he was down rehabbing early. He was rehabbing in spring training, and he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't sniffed the field. Right. So I don't I don't know if they, they had plans of him coming back this year or not, but no, I don't think he's if you could go back. if you could go to Grom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Walker, Carrasco, it's a pretty good freaking rotation. Pretty good. Familia, how does anybody get a hit off him? He throws I, I don't know how anybody has his ball, it's crazy. So I was watching the game last night and it was just funny because Familia's up there throwing these like power sinkers, like power 96, 97, and they're like they're going like I told you the first time I faced like him in this. spring training. I told you the story. I've ever talked about it on yeah, the show. Like, if this guy doesn't make the team, I quit. I need to quit baseball. I was like, I faced him and I said, if he's not on this, I had no idea who he was. I said, How like this is the best pitcher I've ever seen. And nobody knew who he was. He'd been up a little bit, but then and then all of a sudden he became closer. So I felt better about myself. Yeah. Felt better. It's just crazy how I feel like the Dodgers probably do as well as anybody with with um with their scouting reports and understanding who they're facing. I almost feel like you need to throw bad pitches on purpose against a team like the Dodgers to the like Blue just Jays, get away. You got to get away from your profile and your normal. The Blue Jays team. need to be pitched to very much the same way. You got to throw it out of the zone. The Blue Jays, you got to get them out of the zone. You throw it over. Like if you're a four seam guy, just throw a bunch of cutters. Yeah. If you're if you're a sinker guy, throw four seam. Like even if it's bad, it's gonna be different than what they're expecting. It's like the the reverse strength. Like you got to you got to pitch yeah. away from what you're good throw at. Throw the video pitch. game pitches, high changeup, breaking ball in. Yeah. But I feel like the Dodgers are so good at at game planning that you have to just do the opposite of what you're good at. Because if they you do it, if you do game. what they expect, they're going to hammer they, you. If they don't come back and win the division, they're going to have to win one game to, to get in the real tournament. So it'll be interesting. All Milwaukee right. just quietly running away with the division too. They're good. Their pitching is very good. Yeah. Um, Coburn, that's it, right? Coburn and Hater, no hitter against the Yankees. How about this? The 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 Indians. What about Burns. Is that, Burns. Is that his whole name? Is that his full name? Corbin Burns. Corbin, yeah. I said his first name, not his last name. You said Coburn. That's what I meant. The guy who threw the no hitter. That's what I meant. Yeah, and they got Woody. Place from Milwaukee. I don't know anybody's name in Milwaukee. Brandon Brandon Woodruff was my teammate in Colorado Springs. He was a stud. He is a stud. But the uh, so the the Indians were have been no hit three times this year. 
That's a record. The Mariners been no hit twice. The same guy was pitching all three games for the Indians. Um, what's his name? Tough, tough tickets. Um, what's his name? Hold on. Oh man, is it Plesac? Young kid. Young kid, right? I think it's Plesac. Yeah, Plesac. All three games. How about that? Thanks, guys. Thanks for the support. <laughs> three no hitters. That's oh. tough. And he's ten and five on the year. The three they no hitters. Been good this year. The what? They could, have been, they could have been really good. The Indians. They could have been really good. The defenders. Did Be- we talk Bieber about that? Beaver went, went down. Guardians. Not Guardians. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. Not the Indians. They should have gone with the Windians. That would have been fun. But no, you can't do that. It's too. Washington football team is still the Washington football team. Just go know. with it. Just go with it. Do you want to do a do you want to do a Brady thing to close us out here? No. Tommy's just hey Tommy's doing Tommy things. What are you gonna do, bro? I don't need to talk about it anymore. Everybody knows Tommy's Tommy. It's what's what it is. If Mac Jones has Brady-esque tendencies, will you become a Patriots Mac Jones fan? No. You're just Tom Brady. I, I will I will give Belichick all the credit he rightfully deserves to prove that he mattered as much in the relationship if Mac Jones turns out to if Mac Jones starts for seven years in the NFL, then Good job. What if, what if Mac it was, Jones it was, you had something to do with. and his jawline gets more defined and he becomes a, a male yeah, model? Dude, he's never going to be Tommy. Come on, bro. <laughs> Tom Brady's whole a, face transformed. And dude, then I, Mac, Mac Jones won't even go to Duncan's with me. He's doing routes in his front yard with his girlfriend, though. That's got. That's a good sign. And he's a Crimson Tide, so, you know. I, I, I didn't even think about this before, but Saban and Belichick are pretty good friends, so... Yep. Feel like Saban wouldn't have wouldn't have led uh, Belichick in a bad direction there. Agree. Any other any football surprises? No, I have to go because I have to leave New York so I can get home. Okay, New Jersey, wherever I am. All right, do the thing. Tom Brady and Pickle are Tom Brady and Pickle are out. <laughs>